0: the incomparable podcast number 89 may 2012
1: we are back on the incomparable when you last heard us we were talking about return of the jedi and it, true to form we've gotten about 42 minutes into the movie and it took us an hour to get there um, but we're back to talk about the rest of return of the jedi And joining me, as they did in our previous installment, are my guests. Serenity Caldwell, hello.
2: Hello. Many boffins died to bring me here.
1: Dan Morin is also joining us. Hi, Dan. Oh, I think you'll find this podcast is entirely
3: operational. Uh, Hi, Jason. And, uh, And John Syracuse, it's a trap! The Emperor has made a critical error, and this podcast continues. (laughs)
1: critical critical error. and i don't think i mentioned i'm jason snelly your host and uh we had we had uh last we had sort of like yoda and ben had had yoda died and ben kenobi had proven that he was kind of a liar from a certain point of view i think
3: ironically enough that is actually where my where the laser disc you have to flip it you have to flip it over (laughs) over.
1: (laughs) it's not quite halfway through but it's it's you know we're making our way it's an act break so so when we when we move to the next the next scene we are back in uh it's essentially Death Star University again. We're back with uh with the rebels. We have a briefing. Uh, they have a plan involving going to the forest moon of Endor. They have way better holograms this time. And and what's funny is this is really setting up the action. The the rest of this movie is one big sequence of parallel action things based on this a uh, raid on Death Star. So we've got here. We got Admiral Akbar, who appears, who will, who will later discover that it's a trap. But here he doesn't know it yet, and
3: uh, he gives a briefing. And they, they, uh, you can see the Death Star opening the forest moon of Endor. Is anyone else confused about the? I was confused for many years before the internet set me straight about <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. The internet set you say scared straight about Endor. He, you know. Endor is referred to what what is it's the forest moon of Endor. It's referred to by seven different things. Is Endor the name of the planet the moon is is orbiting? Is Endor the name of the moon? What is the name of the planet that's orbiting? It's very confusing in this movie. I think basically because they didn't think it through because if you if you look on the internet you will learn the truth and the truth is also confusing and vague, which is to say that Endor is actually some other planet, right? I assume that the Endor yeah. is like a gas mm-hmm. like a gas giant. And and
1: this is a moon that's forested and circles around the gas giant planet
3: of Endor. Is that right? So here's what the 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 Wikipedia wait Wikipedia or Wikipedia the Wikipedia says: Endor, in parentheses, also known as the Forest Moon of Endor and the Sanctuary Moon, was a small forested moon orbiting the gas giant planet of Endor. Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, Jason wins a prize. So how can Endor? Be a small forest moon orbiting the giant gas giant planet of Endor, it's like Endor two could be Endor two, like you like Yavin four
1: technically, it's not Endor though it's the forest moon of Endor. it is the planet Endor's forest moon,
2: the sanctuary moon of Endor,
3: but basically this sentence says that Endor is orbiting Endor, well, I think it's commonly called Endor, but it's not actually Endor exactly that's why it's confusing because the shortened ver- buffalo
2: yes. buffalo buffalo buffalo,
3: yeah. <laughs> The shortened version of the name refers to the thing that it's orbiting. Yes. Which I always like to throw back to a. Uh, there's a, a. It's a moon. That's no moon. Wait, it's a moon. <laughs> Never mind. It's a moon. Um, <laughs> uh, Endor. Endor is, is mentioned in the Bible. Far out. There's a. There's a witch. A witch of Endor. Do you mean George Lucas got his names from other pieces of literature and and plain English words? Alien sleazebaggo. No, I mean that clearly this was a long
1: time ago, and thus the Bible took inspiration uh, from a story
3: from a universe far, far away. You see, it's the, it's the Rancor monster, you see? Rancor. You also,
1: also, there's the, uh, is the... Is the doctor robot from Empire in this scene, too? Or is it just another...
2: Yes, the Bacta, the Bacta robot is standing in the back. He has a name, thought, people. Hilariously.
1: So he got out. Of, he got out of Hoth, or they went back for him later in him. Or them. there's another one because they're droids, <laughs> mass-produced.
3: Yeah, I like to think that it's the same guy. He's like, boy, they got me out of there. That's good. I didn't want to work for the Empire." I like that both the good guys and the bad guys have British officers. It seems it seems fair. Yeah, right? British Empire. Well, I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy my favorite being. You know, we got Mon Mothma comes out here. Right, never addressed my name, but she comes out and she talks a little bit. She looks very sad when she talks about how Bothans died. And then she's like, Admiral Akbar, please. And Admiral Akbar walks on. Now, if you watch her expressions through this entire scene, oh, yeah. she's staring at Admiral Akbar, being like, What <laughs> the hell is wrong with that guy? <laughs> it's great. She's got a squid head. This is just what I talk like, okay? Very vaguely freaked out. And I read an interview with that actress at some point who was just going, I didn't know what the hell was going on. They gave me some lines to say. I went up there and said them. And then this guy with a fish head
1: came on. So I, I um,. I mentioned this on Twitter, and I'll mention here. There was a a really funny uh, podcast with uh, Joe Posnansky, who's a sports writer, and Ken and Ken Tremendous—I should call him Michael um, uh, who is the showrunner for the NBC sitcom Parks and Recreation—and they did a they did a, a, a pod- podcast where they do, um, among other things, silly drafts. Hmm. Uh, not saying that that was an inspiration but don't tr- don't try to shift the blame. I love podcasts with silly drafts. Anyway, they did a silly draft of their favorite Star Wars characters um which was which is funny and I'll put it in the show notes and I I, I recommend it. The last the first half is about baseball and the second half is about Star Wars characters. I recommend the second half for people who listen to the incomparable. And if you like baseball, you know, you can listen to the first half too. But what what um Mike Schur makes the makes the point at, about this scene is that is Han really helping morale here as a general? First off, everybody's a general, right? <laughs> Lando is Lando is a general. Oh, hey, hey! Someone told him about his little maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. Yeah, but but I mean, he's in a room full of people, and they're planning this potentially suicide mission. And he's got a cape, Jason. That's general <laughs> material right there. So, so, so they the, the scary mission, and, and Han Solo is sitting there going, Whoa, I wouldn't want to be the guy who has to do that. Whoa, whoo, who's the sucker who's going to do that mission? Uh, but that's
3: just so they can flip it around later to show how brave Han really is. Even I know. though he made that comment, he volunteered for the most dangerous mission, you know. This... Well,
2: he's always making comments about how he's going to leave and how he's just helping yeah. out.
3: I suppose you could leave the fighters if you're a wuss. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he is actually
1: when you watch it, I, I think it's really funny. I can't, I had to watch it with that context after hearing that that podcast, but it is sort of shot as if it's it's really Han just giving the needle to Lando. Like they're leaning <laughs> oh, yeah. forward, and everything else is going on around him, and he's like, Whoa, you know, who's the sucker who's going to do that one, right? And he's just setting up his his buddy. Uh, but it's it is funny because Han Solo, you know, he's a malcontent. He's always going to be that roguish guy. He's going to be making his jokes. People might die, but he's going to make his jokes because it's Han Solo.
3: Well, and I love the relationship between him and Lando, right? Like, you know, because we finally hit sort of an equilibrium where Lando sold him out and then, you know, Lando helped rescue him and he rescues Lando from being sucked into the Sarlacc. And so they finally have sort of gotten back to the even footing that they were on supposedly when we first meet him in Empire, but both both more redeemed than they were. because yes. they were both like smugglers and scoundrels. And now they're more respectable they're, and general part the, respectable ones. part yeah. of the rebellion that they both seem to believe in. Who would have thunk it? A pair of generals. who would like to be general. <laughs> then you're a general. There's a, there's three and an admiral. But I love, you know, that's of course, we get the setup and the foreshadowing for later. And then this, you know, is a popular urban legend, right? That Lando was supposed to die. That's not an urban legend, that's the truth No it's not, I looked this up because I remembered that as well And it has actually been denied by pretty much everybody uh, Involved in it in any way Saying that he was not supposed to die Although Harrison Ford tried to convince Lucas to kill off Han Solo yeah right, well but I, we have to wait for the return of the jedi version of those giant hardcover making out books before all yeah this. well that's fair that's because fair. i've got the i've got the new hope one and i've got the empire one and I, they're pretty darn scholarly work so that will set the record straight but i've also read that that yeah that was there, sort of yeah. a long-running one and there are people who argued oh if you look close you can see the fire going around the cockpit of millennium Falcon, yeah. and at the end it blows up and i have um, personally blown up many many times in that death star escape oh yeah are we talking super 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 return of the jedi because that was a hard freaking game i'm talking the gamecube game which was brutally hard to get through those tunnels into the center of the death star and back out (laughs) brutally hard oh i'm thinking about i'm thinking about the the super nintendo one which was also pretty damn hard rogue leader on the gamecube i believe
2: yeah rogue leader i played that many a day
3: i like the uh i like the fact that he has the
1: uh i just got this funny feeling i'm never gonna see her again kind of Kind of thing because that's the that is your typical setup for oh something something bad's going to happen and it doesn't happen but by by setting it out there but it almost does by setting it out there it makes you worried
3: right you're like oh no not not a scratch he loses your, the radar dish I got your promise that's a scratch oh yeah A big scratch well none of the parts that are left on her are scratched <laughs>
2: exactly she came off full flog will never notice
1: so the yeah so the the um uh emperor dismisses vader and sends him back to the command ship and uh and there's this really chilling scene where luke just is looking at the at the ship and and says vader's on that ship i'm endangering the mission right where it's like he can sense me
3: and, you should have known that from the end of empire though really
1: yeah exactly he right? was delirious so,
3: he was he was like passing he, out
1: yeah yeah so that that it's great because uh first off it, it really ups the stakes cuz you're like oh man he's going to he's going to sense vader's going to sense that luke is there and then it sets up the fact that, that um, the Empire is onto them, and this is not happening because they're outsmarting the Empire. And, and so yeah. they're, they're, you're waiting for the hammer to be dropped on our friend's little mission, which we just learned about, right? And we're ready to go for the mission, and it goes
3: bad immediately. Immediately, it's like, leave them to me. If Vader lets them land. He says, yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally know it's them, but let them land anyway. Yeah, I'll take care of
1: them. And so and so that and then you also have the Emperor moving the ordering the fleet to be moved. And and so it's set up from the beginning like this is a it's a trap, right? Yeah. This is a setup. They are screwed. It's going to go badly, which I
3: love because, you know, well, it's the same thing we just saw with Luke, right? Where he's like, all the way down in the in the depths of like, oh, my God, how is he ever going to get out of this with Jabba? Right. Um, except now they don't have the plan right now. It's just it's, yeah. it's yeah, the plan is, has the, gone away, just, right? We heard their plan. We didn't know what their plan was with the Jabba escape because that was all secret to us. But now we were in on the planning meeting and we know this is all there is to the plan. And, and it's wrecked. You know, yeah, it's wrecked. So instead of being
1: like, oh, you know, it's going well so far, but I know something bad is going to happen because of drama. Instead, it's like, no, no. It's it's gone. It's blown, and they don't know it yet. Yeah, it's, the, it's the
3: Hitchcock thing where the audience knows the bomb. Yeah, in chair, right? yeah,
1: which I think is very effective. I, I think it's a very effective thing in this movie that we immediately know that the Empire
3: and Darth Vader have have it over our friends from the from the beginning. They've got it. Yeah, and it makes it makes uh, Han Solo look even more like hapless. This is what. This is what's so adorable about Han Solo is that he he's got all the swagger and everything, but you know he's it, it, like he is competent, but there's a little bit of like you know he's making it up. He's flying around the you know he's flying by the seat of his pants. Don't look like you're keeping your distance. I don't know. Fly casual, like they're you know, it's just <laughs> fly casual's a uh, the casual is great. And you know the whole time Vader already knows they're there, but like he's he's trying his best, and it's all. Well, I love that. Not only does he sense Luke right, but like they like oh yeah, where you head for? Oh yeah, we got parts for the, the Force Moon. And like anybody who met Han Solo, would be like that's totally Han Solo. I just yeah right. <laughs> You sound like Harrison mm-hmm. Ford. It'd be Indiana Jones. Could they should have Indiana had
1: Jones. Leia put on her little helmet. And do the... <laughs>
3: you're the, you're the... <laughs> Luke's outfit here, the, the the forest camo. He Again, it looks like, I mean, this would be more like, he looks like he's from Flashdance. He's wearing like this big, like a sarong that's made with this forest camouflage. <laughs> yeah, well, and Hansel gets a camouflage trench coat. And and he's yeah. wearing, like, a sari. It's not... Yeah, he basically ends up looking very... He's wearing the exact same thing Leia's wearing. Just <laughs> yeah. the twins alike. Well, uh, Stop doing so, that.
1: Hint, hint. Yeah. Sadly, Luke um, takes, uh, takes a woman's small, so,
3: you know, <laughs> that's what he had to wear. That was what they... The size they had. Uh, they didn't
2: think he was coming along in the mission.
3: He takes it off pretty soon. He gets back to the good old priest Luke that we want
1: yeah. for the rest of this movie. That's what we want. All right, so we're, we're on the forest moon of Endor which may, wish, may it, also known as Antor, or or not. Where a group of Marines and Sigourney... Again, no, wrong. Wrong movie. <laughs> um although that would be, wouldn't Avatar have been something if there were little bears instead of big blue
3: people? Man, yeah. that would have been some movie. A different like, audience for the sex scenes, I think. well oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so so here we are. We're on the we're on the forest moon, and uh, the first thing that happens is we get a nice little action piece with the um
3: introduction of these speeders right we could we could go around them Ah. yeah those speeders uh, i i remembered uh when i would go back to say you know which which star wars movie do you want to watch today which is a frequent childhood conversation and we had them on vhs and the reason you go for jedi the big reason for me was i wanted to see that speeder chase scene because at the time it was the most Amazing special effects sequence of an impossible thing that couldn't really happen that was nevertheless exciting. And I would just, I would wait the whole movie for the scene. Now, at this point, you know, with all CG, it doesn't quite hold up as well in terms of the excitement factor. I find the other parts of the movie more exciting, like the space battle and, and the lightsaber battle in the end. But when I was a kid, man, those speeders, like, you know, they just sped up well, they, the film, they right? They crank the film so high inside.
1: You've only been to California the one time and you were just in San Francisco. And, you know, the next time you're out here, I, I, I could take you to Muir Woods which is right next to my house yeah. which is basically where they shot this.
3: I was telling my son what we were uh, my son was watching me watching this with me when I was rewatching it for the podcast and I was telling him, "You know, those are real trees. That's not a set. Like there's a place, those are actual trees in a forest. It's California redwoods, yeah." I don't think he believed me. He doesn't believe a lot of things <laughs> I "No, say. dad, that's clearly the forest moon of Endor, aka Endor, aka the sanctuary moon. There're no such thing as trees that big. Look at those trees." "John, when you're out
1: here, I'll get my um I'll get my uh, uh speeder out of the garage and we'll yeah. go over to Muir Woods. I'll take a picture of you. Doesn't go as fast as it used to, <laughs> but hey. Sadly. It's not the years, Dan, it's the mileage. Um <sighs> and we'll take a picture of you riding it in the in the Muir Woods and then and then you will have been to the forest moon of Endor or commonly called Endor.
2: The thing that I like <laughs> so much about this speeder battle is Actually, the front shots that we get occasionally that are like point of view from either the characters or the stormtroopers or the, I guess,
1: biker scouts.
2: what land troopers?
1: Biker
3: scouts. Yeah, bike
2: troopers, biker scouts.
1: Come
3: on, Biker Scouts. Ah,
2: Can't be an encyclopedia about everybody. That's why I have you two.
3: These guys are as good at riding bikes as the stormtroopers are at shooting things.
2: (laughs) It's true. Considering
3: how long they survive and how, again, speaking of video games, how difficult it is to actually drive these things at this kind of speed without hitting a tree, they do pretty well. No one put a rear view mirror on any of these ones, which would have solved a lot of problems. Only Imperial troops could be that accurate.
2: Well, they don't expect to be, they expect to be, you know, chasing the little... The little ewoks. They don't expect rebel spies to be popping out of the woodwork on their bikes.
3: Really? They're using the speeder
1: bikes on ewoks? Because that's that's overkill. Oh,
3: they're just getting around. They're using they patrolling. I, I love these sounds these things make, which oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes no it makes no sense. They go, Doesn't matter. Yeah, the th- bird is his best, though, right? Exactly. Amazing sounds. That's, that's half. The, it, that's half the the excitement of the scene is the sound these things make. All the electronic noises and the, the howls and all nonsensical stuff. The noises that well, they make. Well, and just- the the awesome. I love my favorite bit still being, you know, Luke. You know, jumps off, bails out of his speeder, right? Because they're about to hit a tree. And the guy comes around the you know biker scout comes around thinking, man, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tear this guy down. And pulls and out the lightsaber phew. and then cuts off the front of it. Yeah, ends careening into a tree. <laughs> they, they, and even this movie, like, this was still—I won't, won't mention the other movies—but this was this is a case where they were mostly withholding lightsabers. You felt like you wanted to see more lightsaber, and they're doing it because they know if you have lightsabers in every single scene, they lose their specialness. So when he whips out the lightsaber for this one bit, all right—that's you know—it's it's like when Voltron takes out the sword at the end. All right, time that's to get cool, serious. Right? Enough playing around. You knocked me off my bicycle. Now this ends. And it just takes out for two seconds and it goes away. It's not overused. I like that. He's not like throwing his lightsaber from the speeder, trying to hit the other one, catching it in the air and doing BS like that. He's using his piloting skill) <laughs> wanted a uh i want to make a point to john's point about being uh, han being hapless is i love that scene where they're first trying to sneak up <laughs> on the, the biker scouts <laughs> whereas you yeah first of all i love the harrison ford delivery on the hey it's me you know yeah. <laughs> and then he creeps around he's like tiptoeing around the, the tree and then all of a sudden you know steps on the twig gets punched right and knocked <laughs> down and then I love at the end, they're sort of like wrestling. He tries to throw the guy into a tree and then he does him like he seriously he does like an Aikido flip on the guy and like flips him over, which is awesome. Um, but then and then it like he's already lost half his team at that point. Yeah.
2: Well, and then when we when we shoot back to like Luke coming back, you just see Han sitting like at the base of the tree looking completely <laughs> abandoned and
3: sad. So dejected. I guess I lost. I screwed up my first mission as general guys. Your mom. First day as general was terrible.
1: Got beat up, got thrown in a locker. The uh we get to meet the Ewoks here. Yub yub. Yub yub.
3: The, the Ewoks get a the Ewoks get a bad name.
1: They're cute. They are my, cute. My kids and my kids love them. My kids this is why my kids want to watch this movie. They say, is it the snow movie or the or the one with the Ewoks. But <laughs> I say, well, it's the one, you know, I want to, my answer is, it's the snow movie. And they're like, oh, we want to watch the one with the Ewoks. (laughs) All right. All
2: right. So my my thing for the Ewoks over any other um, potentially annoying characters that have been thrown in to supposedly pander towards kids is that the Ewoks are cute. Fine. They're cuddly. They're not exactly very vicious, but they don't talk in real words. So however stupid their dialogue might be. Yeah, exactly. When when Leia is having her interaction with them, she's talking to them like a kid, but it doesn't seem pandering, and the audience doesn't want to blow their brains out because
3: she's treating it more like treating it more like an animal than a kid. I think she treats yeah. them like a tourist. Like the part where she comes in, like when they're trying to cook them later, and she's like, "No, these are my friends. <laughs> Just speak loudly and really slowly. They'll understand you." I'm sure.
1: Yeah. No. And the Ewoks are portrayed. I mean, yeah, they're cute and stuff but they they are an indigenous people and they've got their own ways and they are not you know completely pure and nice they
3: do they do try to roast han solo for example I mean can you blame them I mean, they do bludgeon star to death. Most of their killing yeah. of star through blunt force trauma. But, and one I of mean, them dies, and it's very sad during yeah, but the there is, there is a reason that Ewoks do get the bad rap that they do. And the, I think the only reason that they are redeemed is because we know how much worse it could have really been. And also because when we saw these things, we were kids. But this is right. when the movie takes a... This section of the movie takes more of a turn into the things that kids like that is even... Not lighter in terms of Indiana Jones lighter, like kind of like wry and and witty, but now it's more kind of like there's the baby Ewok and there's the, you know, the the sweet Ewok, the Ewok crying over the other Ewok and they do kind of goofy things. And even though they are supposed to be a society with fierce warriors and stuff, they're undercut a little bit by the by the jokiness of although I love the scene where 3PO gets to recount basically our story so far. In, with sound effects. With sound effects, with but sound no effects. words that we can really understand, right? It's charming.
0: Kuchana ma Aranda bo to to tell. Manokutu, manu kutu. Princess <laughs> Leia was <laughs> a wadwa atu. Us <laughs> batata rondi Darth Vader. And chenko was to tundi death star. Us michi and jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. Imano Machu Veda con Yumnum. Utape. Yes, Artu, I was just coming to that. Toronto Gosh. Master Luke at Chimney Chudu. Uta Millennium Falcon at Chimney Cloud City. Usta. Nutch Veda. Han Solo.
3: And, and that to me has some charm to it although i do detest the scene that is directly after that which is the the loop tells layout that that
1: uh do you remember your mother
3: i just and that scene yeah. i remember as a kid always wanting to fast forward through that scene because yeah. I was like hey, yeah, yeah, yeah get to the part where they're fighting the stormtroopers again and then Leia, Leia has to pretend she's sad, just like, I, oh, I'm i acting sad now. And there's a there's a bizarre little nonsensical spat with her and Han Solo, where Han Solo's like, yeah, you can tell Luke, I'm going to storm off now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm really sorry. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hold me. <laughs> that dialogue uh, was not good.
2: Uh, you can tell. This is a Lucas
3: scene, right?
1: The force is strong in my family. I have it. My father has it.
3: My sister... Are you following along, you dunce?
2: He just wants to talk to Leia so badly about this, and she's just not getting the hint. And he's like, all right, come on. See,
1: I view that as being Luke's, like, wait, 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 what's the most dramatic way I could tell her this? I could just run up to her and say, Leia, I thought out that you're my sister, Darth Vader's her father, oh God! But no, 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 let me stretch it out, let me make it a little more dramatic. Let's say, Darth Vader's here, remember Darth Vader? He's a bad guy, yeah, okay, (laughs) guess what, guess what? The force is strong in my family. I know that seems unrelated, but wait, wait for it, wait for it. Darth Vader's my father. (gasps) No, 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 that's not it! (laughs) Hold on!
2: He starts out the conversation with like, I never remembered my mother.
3: Oh, my sister has it. Her name is Gail. She lives in Oregon. She's very nice.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, and the thing that really gets me about that is that Leia's trying to process it all, and I, I'm really. And she says, I know. What if he'd done it in the reverse order? That would have been worse. I know. Somehow I've always known. And really? It's like, you know, what she should be saying there is, wait a second. Are you saying that Darth Vader is my father? <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. Right. And, but no, she's like, I've always known. And we, and we made out that one time?
3: I knew then, too. But that was, I was just getting Han jealous. When Han Solo was told and he has the realizations on his face, I like to think that one of the realizations that crosses through <laughs> his mind and his face is the, wait, they kissed, didn't they? Ew. All right. Anyway. Well, who's got the last laugh
1: now, Luke? ha! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's a that's a really weird scene. We we skipped over. Um, I want to go back to three PO being a god to the Ewoks. By the way, yeah, it's uh, against his programming to impersonate a deity. Tell him, you, tell him you'll use your magic. But um, <laughs> uh, it, as an adult looking at that, it's a, it, it, and thinking about some of the uh, criticisms levied at George Lucas in specifically in some of the portrayals in Episode One. I looked at this and it's like. Wow, you know, there. I know they're little bears on an alien moon, but it, it's this is the th- these are you know this is headhunters. This is this is it's kind of offensive. It is like oh, these are savages.
3: They believe crazy stuff, and it's all the tropes about the sav the yeah. kind of noble it, savage, it's and- condescending to the, the Ewoks. They're like children. They're the noble savages. They believe in uh, voodoo stuff. They're and now you're part of the tribe, and yes, it's all boom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You know, and R R2, two also R two D two in his list of things that he has inside
3: a taser. Yep. Nice to know that he with which he zaps them in the butt. Well, oh, we saw him use that earlier to break Leia's chain. Yeah. in an adorable way. Yeah, we've seen yeah. It before. He zaps Salacious Crumb with it in the, or in the same movie, right? But, right. Yeah. But then when he zaps the Ewok, the Ewok jumps and does a split kick and touches his <laughs> toes, and his little hiney gets the spark out. Like that's the thing that makes people uh, hate Ewoks, and a lot of it is justified.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it is. I think it's interesting that that I mean because they're not sort of. Uh, uh, they're they're a little more review, removed from being a a racial stereotype. It it still is like everything out of the playbook of uh of you know oh it's the headhunters it's we're in the darkest deepest part of Africa yeah. or the Pacific or whatever and it, it's all the stuff out of that
3: playbook except they're I mean, they're little bears. Yeah, they're, they're clearly Native Americans. They have the tre- yeah the headdresses and the little animal no. skulls. Now I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there a discussion where they were supposed to be Wookies? Yep. It was uh, supposed to be a planet full of Wookiees. I don't know that that would have been better. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm unclear.
2: I mean, we did get the Christmas <laughs> yeah. special to show us Wookiee life. So if it was anything like that.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, so if if by <laughs> saying which, if we had had Wookiees in Return of Jedi, we wouldn't have had that, then yes, we could all agree mm, that it would be better. <laughs> yes.
1: Anyway, but but the highlight of this is, is what, what Ren said, which is it's 3PO telling the story of so far with the sound effects that is great because it that that says something i think about the uh you know how this story is an epic story and it's told with you know it's it's based on these mythical archetypes and you boil it down to 3po just you know taking sound effects and little tiny bits and in and 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 telling a story around a campfire and leaving the little bear guys enthralled and it's really it's great and convincing them to join the fight right which is the most important part of it yeah so that that scene is great it's surrounded by terrible things but that scene is great
2: and it's also a highlight of our central characters which this movie has you know or these this trilogy has very much of and the other trilogy which doesn't actually exist has very little in terms of character interaction and people who you really care about and when they go into carbonite you feel sad for you know it's a, it's really nice to see kind of that knit and you you really do in the
3: story we skipped over the, the another one of the annoying scenes that bothers me is that making chewy look like a doofus to to get the meat and get them trapped in the thing and they play the doo doo do music as they're up there great let's get out oh right
2: everybody looks like a doofus oh that's yeah. weird
1: that, that that's also a bad scene because it never i it, it, i think it's badly
3: Edited and shot that it's confusing about what Chewie is seeing. Yeah, it doesn't look like an animal, but it's you know, and it's clear that they're trapped. But then they're all it it becomes more slapstick Uh. kind of like grit. And and the other thing that always always bothered me and continues to is that when R two gets them out, first of all, he cuts like one string right in front of him, and they all come out. And second of all, sparks fly. So do they have metal going through this netting? Yeah, the sparks thing always bugged me as a kid. I could never quite figure out what the hell was going on there. It was maybe an electric net. I don't know. Yeah, but but that that the tone of that crosses the line into the do 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 the music. Yeah, yeah. Can you reach my lightsaber, Han? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get it for you. Oh, my face is squished. Oh, you silly Wookiee. That's, that's that's demeaning to to Chewie, who would be much more streetwise than that. Chewie's from the city. He doesn't understand this crazy country stuff. Well, so this know. this middle section where it's like meet the Ewoks, aren't they cute, but they're dangerous, but they're cute, and there are there are enemies, but there are friends, like and all this ridiculousness is the bad is the worst section of, of the ewok section i think once once the fighting starts the ewoks are much less annoying and and fit more seamlessly and to get to that phrase you've got to get luke out of there because he leaves after he has his awful scene with uh, with leia and goes off to talk to vader and so now we're back into the better scenes
1: yeah and, and that scene so that scene where luke meets with vader on the moon i i, I
3: forget that that scene exists and it's a great scene yeah, I'm surprised you forget because it's very I, I it sticks in my memory because it's very riveting and important and like dramatic. But like as a kid you're like okay there's there's Darth Vader and he's the big bad guy and then and then he confronts him in empire and it's a big dramatic thing. And in this movie like they meet again and instead of fighting they're talking like cuz they've got issues to work on family therapy. <laughs> it, it's it's because it's it's because
1: it's a, it's got you've got all those scenes with the Ewoks and then you've got all the action stuff that happens after and it's it's an important scene, but it's this one, it's not like the scenes that surround it. It's this, it is a linchpin kind of scene where, you know, dad's dad picks up his son on the planet and takes him back to the Death star. Basically. it's a, it's
3: a, it's a tense moment because you want, at this point they, they, they sowed a lot of seeds of doubt. We didn't talk about this, but with going, you know, they had scenes between the uh, Vader and the empire. Like, I hope your feelings are clear or strange that I had not felt him on, you know, felt Luke on the thing where you're, they're putting little seeds of doubt in your mind of like, well, so what is Vader's motivation? He didn't kill him in, in Empire. He wanted him to join him. So at the very least, you're thinking Vader has an ulterior motive of get Luke to join me, come back and defeat the Emperor, because he stated that right out in Empire. And now the Emperor is questioning like, hmm, why do you have this connection to this person who we now know to be your son? What's the deal there? And Luke is totally like, there's good in him. I felt that I'm going to... So when they meet together, the tension is, what's going to happen there? Is Luke going to say, hey, Luke, come with me. We can get rid of the Emperor. Luke, we know, is going to say, I felt the good in you. Come with me. You know, that... That tension of seeing what what is this relationship that was previously so simple, bad guy, good guy, is now very, very complicated. And that meeting, you're going to find out who's right. You're gonna, is the Emperor right? That Vader is going to bring him up to him just like he asked him to? Is Luke right that he's going to turn or is something else going to happen? And the conclusion of that scene, I love the the bit where Vader... Says, I see you've constructed a new lightsaber, and takes out the lightsaber behind Luke. You're like, oh my god, he's going to chop him up with his own lightsaber, but he doesn't, you know. But the end of that scene is that Vader takes him back to the Emperor, exactly like the Emperor said he should. And the only thing you get is the little tiny conciliatory, "It's too late for me, son," but he still does what the Emperor told him to do, which is bring him back.
1: The 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 regret, and it's great setup for what happens later. But the regret in Vader there that that. Luke tries to turn him and 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 Vader because this is really where Darth Vader gets starts to be humanized, which is so important for what happens later in the movie where there's the regret he's he he says Obi-Wan tried this, you know, it didn't work and, and and there is some regret there and then it's too late for me, son. like you know you can feel it. It's like he he knows what he's doing and what he's done is terrible. But he feels like it, he's on the path. He can't turn back. He he can't change because he's already made his decision. He's wasted his life or whatever, ruined his life by serving the emperor. It's too late for me, which is a great setup for later. But it also makes you, for the very first time, um, feel something for Darth Vader. That he he is not just the bad guy. He is he is this kind of this tragic figure, which is incredibly important for later. Um, and this is that moment. That's why it's so pivotal.
3: And well, and and we've yeah. got Luke too, where where you know this was kind of his all in play, right? Yeah, I'm taking yeah. it. Let's go run off with me. I'm gonna jump it. You know, stick my head in the lion's mouth and basically say, I uh, you know here's my here's my pitch. Take me up on it. And so, but what we also see that he's you know his fallback plan is basically you know as we see in a in a scene shortly thereafter to die on the Death Star, right? Yeah, you know he says to the Emperor soon I'll be soon dead, I'll be dead. And, yeah. and you along with me and you know yeah
1: he's thinking they're gonna blow up the Death
3: Star right exactly so, and so yeah. I think you know it's such an interesting play because he's re- he's willing to sacrifice his life to try and bring his father back around right which is huge because yeah. you know we've seen him sort of teetering on this you know is he gonna go a little dark side is he gonna stay where he is and you know I think that's you know the fact that he's willing to make that sacrifice is a big play in his favor and also there's an ad at ad- there's an ad at walking. There around. is an ad, at. Yeah. incidentally. Mm-hmm. Uh don't if you're a, a as a seventeen year old boy when the when the re releases came out, the special editions came out, I watched this movie at like ten thirty at night with a bunch of friends in the movie theater. And uh let me tell you, the Emperor's lines pretty much all take on a really disturbing innuendo at that point. <laughs> <laughs> the hate is swelling in you now. Creepy. When uh when Luke uh when Vader brings Luke back to the the Emperor, the thing that struck me this time I was watching it was uh You know, so you've got the. uh, I think at at that point Vader says Obi Wan has taught you well. He's got that line, right? Right. And that's repeated a lot. That kind of idea, where they keep talking about Obi Wan. Obi Wan tried to turn me. Obi Wan has taught you well. Blah blah blah. And the the thing that highlights for me is that the the bad guys don't know about Yoda. They never mention that Yoda. They have no idea that Yoda is training Luke at all. And that is a refreshing change from. Uh, The movie cliche where adversaries know every detail of the other side. Like, you know, we just like James Bond movies are great examples of this. James Bond knows everything about the enemies. Enemies know everything about James Bond and all the secret services know all about each other. In this movie, the, the dark side guys spend the entire time having no idea that Luke has been hanging out in Dagobah talking to Yoda. It's all about like Obi-Wan has taught you this or so you can't, Obi-Wan can't help you now. And Luke never says, no, I've been, no, I've been hanging out with Yoda. He's awesome. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I, I knew Obi-Wan for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, he
1: he gave he gave me this helmet and I kind of fought with a ball that shot me in the butt,
3: and then he died. You killed him. I I learned a lot. And Luke never corrects them. He's like, no, you keep saying Obi Wan. It's annoying me at this point. You know, it's Yoda. My teacher is Yoda. Maybe they wouldn't have fought him then. Oh crap! Yoda yeah. trained him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're doomed. Back off, son. So so um
1: uh when we cut back to the to the Force Moon of Endor um the uh. Something that's always struck me as strange is is they do this, uh, the Ewok ruins their surprise attack.
3: Well, he doesn't ruin it, he en- he enhances it by drawing people off.
1: Well, well, this is it, they're like, oh no, he's wrecked it. And it's like, no, that's the perfect diversion, because how... He's not an attacking force, he's a native. These stormtroopers have got to have been annoyed by these Ewoks. They're like, oh no, not more of these. Oh, oh! you think they would have learned not to leave the keys in the speeder well, button, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe they don't have keys, they're just like keyless, they turn them on.
3: Also, yet another long, like, checkmark in the long list of Stormtrooper Incompetence, right? Because not (laughs) only do we get that, where they're like, Oh, God, three of us better go chase that Ewok. But then the last guy gets beaten by a game of tag. (laughs) Yeah, taps yeah. him on the shoulder. Up, oh, I'm around the other shoulder. That was the best. Han Solo learned that as a kid. I do love that scene though, especially when he runs around the corner and there's a guy's pointing guns at him and he's like, yeah. "Damn it!" I always fall for
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> but when the Ewok takes off in the speeder, that was that is a killer laugh uh scene for my kids too. Like, it's I
3: have to say that I worry about that biker scout who got tricked by Han just because I think his performance reviews. Is- and and it was pointless anyway he was just rubbing it in i mean you could have had the same number of people just simply walk out and point the guns at the one person but it was more fun to trick no no promotion (laughs) for that guy
2: well most of management is dead by this point so
3: little details that i love is which like when they go into the bunker after that you can see somebody else putting on the biker scout helmet and standing outside so, like, you know, they're smart enough to, like, leave a guy at, at the back as a decoy. Yeah, there are there are red shirts in, in the indoor oh, yeah. force, but we like, you know, where are they? We don't see them basically when they go to the Ewok thing, but they're around, you know, extras with no lines that are not on camera much. But there is a, a, it seems like the only people who land on this planet is like, you know, Han, Chewie, c 3 P R R2D2, Luke and Leia. Uh, but there are other people there, too. Well, you have the space. You have the space set up here, where they keep cutting back to the space, and that awesome, exciting space oh, music man. goes again. And you see a million ships flying around, and they're all assembling, they and they all get to speed. jump to hyperspace, which is the oh uh, my, it's one of my favorite yeah. scenes of that entire movie. I, and I love when they when they approach the Death Star. You're like, they're gonna hit it. They're gonna hit it. You know, and they slow down.
2: The giant 180 degree.
3: Curtain. I really enjoy the. Uh, I really enjoy that the the scene where Admiral Ackbar is like, "All right, well, all ships are going to jump to light speed on my mark," and Lando's like, "Got it. I'm yep. just going." Yep. <laughs> and he just goes, <laughs> <laughs> "Screw that! I'm in the Millennium Falcon." Yeah, that was his mark. Him saying so, the word "mark." So um,
1: so Luke meets the Emperor, and he gets out outlooked, which I like because we we've talked about how Lucas Luke, Luke is so confident. Eat it, Luke. And, yep. and, so we, and and so and and he feels like well I'm in ch- I'm in church here. I can do whatever I want. So he runs into the emperor and he says, Your overconfidence is your weakness. And the Emperor he's like, ha. And the Emperor's like, uh, your faith in your friends is yours.
3: Ooh, burn! You gotcha. He's got to come back the Emperor's gotta come back for everything, yeah. Don't the master.
1: He's he you he were owned by the master emperor, Luke. It's a it's a nice moment. Yeah,
3: well, this this entire sequence, right, is Luke. Increasingly getting over over his head, right? Like oh, oh, in over this his emperor head, guy. Yeah, he he's like bad. he is totally miscalculated this yeah. situation. <laughs> and the and the emperor does it like the emperor is a, is into theatrics too, because the emperor could tell him up front, okay, so your your flea is falling into a trap. The Death Star's totally operational. He doesn't. He lets it doles it out. Well, it's like what is he gonna do? You can't get out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's
2: a very different tactic from most of the monologuing that happens in modern movies. Where it's like all of the monologuing that would happen in a modern movie happens in this scene. It's just Luke is doing all of the instigations here instead of the villain being like, let me tell you why you're doomed to failure.
0: I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me master. You're gravely mistaken. You won't convert me as you did my father. Oh, no. My young Jedi. You will find that it is you who are mistaken. About a great many things. His lightsaber. Ah, yes. A Jedi's weapon. Much like your father's. By now you must know your father can never be turned from the dark side. So will it be with you. You're wrong. Soon I'll be dead, and you with me. <laughs> Perhaps you referred to the imminent attack of your rebel fleet. Yes. I assure you, we are quite safe from your friends here. Your overconfidence is your weakness. Your faith in your friends is yours. It is pointless to resist my son. Everything that has transpired has done so according to my design. Your friends up there on the sanctuary moon are walking into a trap, as is your rebel fleet. It was... I, who allowed the Alliance to know the location of the shield generator. It is quite safe from your pitiful little band. An entire legion of my best troops awaits them. Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive.
3: And it makes sense because the Emperor's goal is here to get him pissed off, basically, and you do that by by doling it out. It's not like I'm doing it for dramatic tension in the movie. He's doing it because the whole point is to make this guy angry, and if you just let it out all at once, it doesn't work as well if you just slowly tease it out. And every time he thinks, okay, well, that's not bad. My friends are in a trap, but I'm probably still going to be okay here because, oh, and the Death Star's operational, too, and, you know, it's just a thing on top of thing on top of thing. And it makes sense with the plot of the movie that... Why? Why does he want the good guy to get pissed off? Why doesn't he just kill him? Well, in this case, he doesn't want to kill him unless he can't be turned, and he does want to piss him off because that's how he wants to turn him. So, for once, it finally makes sense this type of monologue.
1: Yeah, no, it works, and he's and it plays against Luke's um, kind of arrogance that he's had through the movie of like, ah, oh, I've got to figure it out. This is your last
3: chance, right? Uh, it's not. It's not arrogance. He was. He was. He was confident, and he made this bold play. And now, I mean, he's. He's, no, not, he's, he's not. overconfident. He's just kind of finally. Re- this is the final battle, and he's yeah. run up against the final battle. He knew it would be difficult, and lo and it's a, behold, it's difficult. It's a boss fight. Yeah. Yes. He is the bo- he is the boss of the level of the galaxy. I also like, uh, as a, from a cinematographic standpoint, I love that scene where Vader and Luke first come up. We've got like the red little lights coming up the elevator, and then it goes. I've like, got <laughs> that that frame paused on my screen right now because I was about to say that. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a great shot. It's just it's something about the two of them standing there, and both in the black, and there's like a, a foot <laughs> difference between their heights, and and you can tell like even though Luke's cut <laughs> off at the shoulders, you can tell he's handcuffed because the shoulders are kind of together. Yeah. You know, he's never going to be as tall mm-hmm. as his dad. Sad. No. <laughs>
1: His dad's on like big metal legs. to make him tall. He's wearing lifts. I don't
3: know what you're talking about. Uh,
1: the uh the end. We also were cutting. We're That's cutting it. back to the um, cutting back to the fleet. Uh, and this is when the trap
3: is sprung. Oh wait! Um, again, a great. I love. I love the, any scene with Lando in the Millennium Falcon. And his little bins.
1: um Italian alien. Friend. He's not
3: There's, Italian. He's Salustin. Okay. <laughs> And he's wearing a Han Solo vest. vest. <laughs> I know, the vest. Everybody needs to wear the vest, all right? If you come on the Money Falcon, you got to wear the vest. It's part of the hazing process. It's the dress
1: code. <laughs> it's And it's so flimsy. It's like a little, it's not providing any help. Any, it's
3: purely for show. Again, he's the he's the guy who doesn't speak English who provides, like, context for that. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, no, no, we yeah. got to be able to get a reading on it up or down, All right. <laughs> And I, I, a beautiful shot with the pulling up where the. Yeah, fl- that was it, that scene where they all peel away from the. Oh, thing, man, yeah. I love that. Uh, it's such a great shot where the Falcon's like, mm-hmm. whoa! This is like the example in Empire where you've got the, you know, okay, in this scene, the Millennium Falcon must fly into an asteroid and does that big pirouette. Well, same thing here. Well, in this scene, the fleet has to go towards the shield, realizes there, and turn back. But they with turn back in such a graceful, ships. beautiful way. You know, they, they everything is done artfully. No ships, ships do not maneuver like taxi drivers driving through the city. Everything is grace and art and interesting camera angles and drama.
2: I think that this uh, this battle will forever be my favorite space battle. And yeah. Even it stands up.
3: It may be the base, best space battle ever, ever yeah. constructed.
1: The original yeah. effects stand, uh, 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 and they've got some limitations, but uh, just an amazing achievement. And they still look great. There's so many different objects. This is the one thing that stuck with me when I left the movie. What um, when I saw it originally was those scenes of those ships flying around. It's not just like two ships, right? It's like
3: dozens of ships. As good as 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 iconic. Oh god, Greg Nas is going to kill me. As iconic as the first Death Star battle is, the the rough edges show right like crazy. Even in the special edition, there's there's plenty of match shots and stuff. Sure, here there's there's one or two that I think are really kind of you know maybe glaring. I think the the scene where the executor falls into the Death Star. Um, yeah. There's a scene that's it's, it's a little off. The scale's a little wrong. Um, but other than that, it's almost note perfect the entire fight. And, uh, uh, you know, it seems real and it holds up, as Ren was saying. You know, like, it looks now as real to me as it did when I saw it, you know, 30 years ago. I think the key to it being exciting is uh, limitations because they couldn't have as many sh- cool shots of, of the ships flying, basically. So the few shots they do have and if you were to cut it together and say how many ships how many motion control shots are there optically composited ships it's very few of them and there's a lot of interior stuff of people talking and things happening and so if you could only have you know 27 50 or however many there are shots of sh- ships going every one of those shots is composed to be the most exciting most dramatic most interesting uh, able to read the action in a small number of frames to tell what's going on but also be exciting because you don't get that many of them. You can't have, okay, for this entire battle, we're going to be in third person following spaceships around. Because they just simply didn't have the budget for that. You couldn't do it. You had to piece it out. So every every time they cut from close-up of people in cockpit to ships flying around, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen ships do, you know? Well, and it, it, and they don't overburden it, right? Like, you know, I was thinking, you know, what are space battles that have come since that? You know, one of the most recent ones, will take the, the Star Trek reboot. Um, yeah. You know, some great special effects, but at the same time, a lot of the battles there feel... Overburdened in the sense that there's just there's too much going on. Too much. They're making it like everything's like 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 Normandy, right? Like where it's just like, oh my God, oh my god, oh my god. Um and in this one, you know, they do a great job, as John's saying, of like limiting in on certain maneuvers or certain shots. And they're gonna follow like here's this guy chasing this person, here's what the Millennium Falcon is up to, here's what you know, random A-wing and Y wing are up to you to show you and in each scene they're trying to show you, you know. There are characters, right? Like there are characters within the space fight in the way that right and tiny miniature stories like yeah we're yeah. trying to convey that the fleet is overmatched we're trying to convey that you know the guy you the guy who crashes into the the bridge right yeah, right. he gets shot and he crashes. But we we know who it is. It's easy to draw a linear line there. If he'd just be like, "Oh, there he is. There he goes. Oh, he fell into that thing. Oh, that made that happen. Oh, and 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 the result of his actions is the you know thing goes. You know, it, it's it's very well cut together to let you you know you can't you couldn't draw a coherent picture of the battle. But each each one of the scenes, you know. Uh, why they're showing this to you, not just because it's a cool ship flying around, but because it's an important event in the battle. It's, it's turning the tide of the battle. It's a character that we care about doing something or something like that. You know, it's not just, and a bunch of ships run at each other and a bunch of lights flash until at the end, somebody wins.
1: The, uh, this, at this point in the movie, we really, we have three things happening simultaneously with a lot of quick cuts. So it's rather than, um, jump around and quick cut between them. We should probably address them in turn. um, we've got the battle down on the on well we've got the space battle which we've talked about um which uh at, at the toward the end of it the flying into the superstructure uh oh, don't forget the
3: death star comes online and starts
1: blowing well all oh, oh, right okay yeah. so it's for, for okay first off it's it's and that happens uh you know cutting back and forth it's the this fully operational station <laughs> where it's obviously been this you know they, they've they been playing wait po- what They've been playing possum, right, and it's like, well, we're gonna build the the
3: big uh gun, yeah, we haven't first. finished all our life support, and like you know there's not like places for people <laughs> to sleep, there's or... no bathrooms, but the gun works, yeah, and there's a big pit
1: over here, there's a giant pit that if you if you go over the railing here, you fall and, <laughs> yeah, fall and fall. those pits covered you lose up I keep meaning to cover
3: them, but big green beam boom, and we get uh we get re- reused footage there too, which is an interesting little move they I think they flip part of it, but they we have the same scenes from yeah. firing it up that we have in yeah from, from Star the original Wars movie. the guys in the helmets and and, uh, all and, that. and an interesting note there's also reused music during the superstructure uh, fight as they're flying in
1: it's a great moment where they where they blast one of the one of the rebel ships and uh, Lando has the you know fly by the big fly fly next to the big ships because then yeah. they won't shoot at them because they'll blow them up and that's some nice space tactics and then I love the scene as they're flying into the superstructure there's the um and the Falcon loses its it's dish that was too close right is is that capital ship like um goes nose first
3: into the death star yeah the executor yeah and and it was also filled with kerosene love that
2: i also i love the fact that wedge gets to be the hero in this one he's like already on my way out oh yeah i I had
3: to leave the last fight this that sucked Oh, and I yeah. enjoyed that the guys who, who are flying the giant Super Star Destroyer are, uh, is Admiral Piet still from Empire Strikes Back, who yeah. makes it this far, but alas, yeah. no further. Although, why does it fall? Why does it fall? Is there gravity? Because
2: an A-wing goes straight into the control <laughs> room. Yeah, but you're saying, why does it
3: no. fall? It's the gra- gravity of the Death Star. Okay. That yeah. works. Okay. Uh, okay. That works in a reasonable amount. And also because it's a naval metaphor and they want to look like the ship is sick. Right. It, it looks <laughs> awesome, but like it's one of those things that you know someone mentioned to me at some point and it's like you can't unsee it after yeah, I you mention it. well the thing i like about them going into the death star is that again uh, i can't recall a a space ship moving scene that has a better sense of speed motion and danger than those ships flying through that place and it's not oh, just yeah. because i spent many oh, hours man. in rogue leader trying to get through that same thing <laughs> just even before the gamecube existed there it, you know it's just a camera a camera moving through a miniature but like they knew what looked good. You know, the miniature has many repeated structures, especially in the ending part. And then you end into that open, big open room that you fly away from. But the explosion uh, appears and goes much faster than the ships that were going away from it. You know, that 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 whole sequence of the ships flying in there and flying back out is so much more exciting than any of the, the CG computer stuff that I see most of these days. And I don't, I don't even know why it is, but that's not a limitation, because that's all motion control. They spend lots of budget flying little cameras and models through little pieces of the Death Star. Well, and that's and that's why it is because it's not fake because part of your brain knows it's hard. <laughs> you know, I think like yeah. the only thing I can think of that was similar to that is some of the Pixar action stuff in The Incredibles, where uh, not that it looks the same or anything, but like they they chose to do camera moves and and uh, and uh, you know actions and framing of, of framing of the action that's going on each scene, each little section, each cut to be dramatic or interesting in a particular way instead of just going okay, here's a ship flying and we'll kind of follow it, you know like artfully done. Actually the saucer
1: uh chase through the jungle in Nomaneson is a co- total uh homage to Return of the Jedi. Oh yeah, I would yeah. say. So there is a, there is a connection with the Incredibles. Um let's talk about the back on the forest moon. Um this is this is when the uh the Ewoks join the fight against the stormtroopers. They have an entire legion of troopers. Um I was struck at how suddenly it turns into The Lord of the Rings except with teddy bears. But the Lord of the, it, <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly, it's uh, you know you've got these battles with uh with these it's Lord of the Rings the, these guys have swords and
3: and heavy things and trebuchets. And- well, I, I like the fact that it's not that they do have they do have the 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 change in the tide of battle. You're like yeah hey, the Ewoks are coming and then they have the scene of going yeah and they have sticks and these guys have <laughs> yeah, at- and rocks. these guys have at- and laser guns and so they basically are starting to be slaughtered you know and it's only through the. Uh, the, the heroics of the script and Chewbacca. That, and Chewbacca. Uh, the Chewbacca. The tide is turned slightly, but right. you know they do like they try many different things to stop the ad-STs, like putting the ropes around the leg. That doesn't work, and throwing right. rocks at things that just pisses. But them But they just smash them between the logs. Yeah, mm-hmm. but eventually they got like, hey, what does work? And they they drop the they drop the logs. Yeah, so it's it like goes like burr, burr, burr. so. so, so they try like up. five tactics, and only two of them actually work, but right. it's enough. Well,
1: if- they're primitive. Yeah. They they have to work. They have to work up to it. And the um the other thing that I that I've noticed and is painful uh in, in the in the in the bad category here is the uh, Ewok swinging on a vine making the Tarzan call. Uh, that's actually yeah. Chewbacca.
3: Oh, yeah. is it Chewbacca it doing is. that? That is. The, it could be the lowest point of this entire movie. Embarrassing. It's worse than a Wilhelm scream. There. Oh, well, terrible. Over. That was the the other really loud Wilhelm. Is they the, when they uh, this <laughs> is a, a good Han Solo scene. They. Yeah, the the, the yeah. guy comes, stands in front of the little lightning room from where the, where the shield generator is. And Hansel throws a thing at him and it, he's like, oh, get out of here. Hits him in the head and he falls over the railing to a, to a <laughs> yeah. huge Wilhelm. As
2: I believe it, he actually throws the box with the detonator charges. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He, well, he oh, just, hit him in the head, he falls well, over the more. railing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also love this. Another great example of the fact that the worst the worst thing you can say to somebody else in the Star Wars universe is call them scum. You oh, yeah. might How many times does this could, We got a wretched hive of scum ability. We've got rebel scum. We've got, uh, my, this bounty hunter is my favorite type of scum. Mm, my kind of like, scum, yeah. Thank goodness they didn't call them
1: scum bags. That would be worse. Yeah. Actually, scum is a slang word in the Star Wars
3: universe that means really, really awesome.
1: It's really, yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> Awkward. Interesting. Uh, so, so those, those two f- frames of battle are going on. And then, then in the quieter frame of battle, but still, uh, you know, pivotal is Luke and the emperor and Darth and a, a strangely passive Darth Vader, which I think
3: is interesting. Well, they keep cutting back to him and showing you Darth Vader and you're like, his expression is not going to change. No, it's a, it's a mask. Right. It's, but, and yet like through head tilts and body oh, language yeah. and your own Absolutely. mapping of things on during that, you start to, you start to, you know, figure out, like, is he? what is he feeling there? So I can see it in his eyes. Like his eyes are plastic little covers. You're not seeing anything. Right. But it's there.
1: And there's a the confrontation between Luke and Vader. Uh, which we know we had to have, and what what uh what my notes here have is is what i 've always wondered the Emperor is really egging Luke on, and so my question is, you know what is the Emperor wanting here? I mean it seems well, to me like the
3: emperor's like, go ahead and kill Darth Vader." No, he he doesn't care which one wins. Right. He just wants them to fight. E- either way, he gets yeah. the he gets the winner. As you know, if his if Vader wins, well, then he did a good job teaching Vader, and we don't have to deal with the Luke problem. And if Luke wins, well, I replace my old model with my new one. Yeah. Uh,
2: Although I think he wants to prefer Luke because again, new models, less robotics. Younger. Yeah. Well,
3: you, you assume you would assume faster. the young guy is going to win, right? And I think that's a, a part of Vader's character. I think is that. Uh, Vader knows what's up. He knows, you know, I mean, he's not ignorant of the Sith and how this whole thing works, right? Well, he tried the same thing, right? I mean, most importantly...
2: Rule the yeah. galaxy together as father and son.
3: Yeah, but Vader's kind of pissed. He's like, he's got this thing of, like, Luke wanting to turn him over, but on the other hand, he's kind of insulted. He's like, he's not going to defeat me. I'm Darth Vader. Like, he's got a certain sense of... Oh, the emperor assumes you're going to win because you're young and powerful and stuff like that, but I totally have something to prove here to both myself and the emperor to go, see, you thought that you were going to bring in this new Jedi, but I'm going to kick his butt anyway because I'm Darth Vader. <laughs> and like that's all mixed up in his, you know, feelings for the situation. But but yeah, this is this this ending sequence is fascinating to me because I can't recall seeing anything like this since and it's amazing that it worked is that in this tense part of the scene here, what's going on is that Luke is, is brought into a, in a prisoner, his weapon taken away. And the bad guy is trying to lure him into attacking him and say, oh, you want your lightsaber? Come and attack me. Strike me down. I'm unarmed. All that business. Right. Uh, and it's not a trick. It's not a trap. It's not like, oh, as soon as he grabs his lightsaber, he's going to die. Now, the Emperor could kill him at any moment. Darth Vader, could go walk over and stab him. He's got no lightsaber. You know, he he wants him to fight for this for this other reason. And the, the, our hero is trying not to fight. Yeah. Uh, he's 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 trying not to fight that he's he's saying oh you want me to have a and in the audience like you would think wouldn't the kid be saying oh I have a lightsaber I have a lightsaber battle but they'd construct it so well that but i remember being a kid going no luke don't take the lightsaber now what kind of movie the third movie in, in a trilogy of movies about people fighting with lightsabers can you get you know uh you know seven-year-old kid to go no luke don't take the lightsaber that's a pretty amazing feat uh, you know, and the, the fact that they can get you to that point is just boggles my mind i didn't think about it as a kid but now i'm thinking about it i'm like you're rooting for him not to take didn't you want to see lightsaber don't you want to see them fight they've done a really great job of sort of you know in in you know instilling in you those jedi you know, the Jedi traits that we've gotten from Yoda, right? Or just that that's what the bad guy wants, and you know it, and you don't want him to give in, and this whole scene is like this tension. And he's such a jerk about it. He's like, you know, you want this. You're like, no, no, I don't want that. You Let me just give you the lightsaber. I'm going to put it in your hand. I'm going to turn <laughs> it on. They keep cutting
1: back to Luke, and you can, he's like, ooh, ooh. You know, it's like awkward position, frustrated Your friends are dying out there.
3: We've got him down on the planet. Well, they get to that scene where he's watching it through the through the window, right? Like mm-hmm. you can see him start to sweat, and he's like, "Look at the lightsaber." He's like, "Uh, crap! I am a, I'm totally in over my head. B, I totally miscalculated this entire situation. Yeah, maybe I can fight my
1: way out of here, but uh, but Yoda told me I really shouldn't do that. So he finally he finally goes over the edge and he pulls the lightsaber. And although if you watch that, it seems like he and the Emperor are further
3: apart. And then there's one shot where it's like they're standing next to each other, and yeah. Well, that's the ultimate badass scene for the Emperor, though, because he doesn't move at all. Nope. He knows Luke is going to take it, and he knows his faithful henchman, who he trained so well over all these years, yep. he'll stop the lightsaber from yep. my face. And he does, and he does, and, and he's laughing. I mean, and, and which is funny, because, because Vader was the one trying to get Luke to join him, right? So what if he'd yeah. just been like, meh? This is one way to accomplish my goal. Just have him kill the emperor, and we're good. That's why it's such a, uh, amazing confidence. He he knew that Vader would do that, and I and the reason I think Vader does that is because Vader still has that feeling like I'm going to prove to the emperor that I'm actually the best guy, and that, yeah. you know that I'm the most powerful, and all you know I'm not going to. It's him, too late you know. for me. He
2: also owes a life debt in a way to the emperor because the emperor is the one who you know basically saved him more or less. I
3: don't know what you're talking about. I mean, yeah, that's no. That's I'm totally I'm un- saying totally unfounded. That's sort of a Talmudic interpretation there. <laughs> so so uh the
1: music swells and it, there's a, there's there are a few moments here where it's really almost all music uh as it sort of overwhelms you and luke the the just there's that scene where luke just is making rings with his lightsaber and is just smashing into darth vader and this is that defeat of darth
3: vader it's so i can play it back in my mind it's so shocking and it gets prompted by the fact that you know luke has basically gone totally defensive right He is hiding he is he is I will not like, fight you yeah he refused yeah. to fight this was a scene i i reenacted with a friend of mine once because we had both gotten those lightsaber toys when we were like 17 uh <laughs> it was awesome um and so you know he's he's hiding and he's like in the dark and we get those shots of him just like yeah he's clearly freaked out right he's like man i'm not going to be able to get out of this and Vader's stalking him Yes. And and so then he starts to probe into his mind and starts getting into his head, right? And Sister. you got the one thing that you, that Ben told him: don't bury those feelings. And Luke's like, oh man, yeah, see, he's thinking see. of a pink elephant. You can see it on and his guys. face. Really got to see, yeah. And you, that is a great scene where, again, Ham, more credit to Hamill for just being like, oh, I can't not think about this. Um, and we get you know Vader needling him and finding that that one really vulnerable spot. In his honor, the one thing that he's gonna try incredibly hard to protect, and the one thing that's gonna push him over the edge. Um and yeah, as as you were saying, then it turns into this scene, it's just it's brutal is the word that always it comes is, to my mind, right? Brutal. Because he's just, he's lost all attempts at finesse or any of the skills he seems to have learned. No, he's just smashing him. He's just wailing on him. Wails on him, yeah. And you've got sad chanting music. I don't know if it's are like growing monks or whatever. It's sad human yeah. voice chanting music to go with, with the sad orchestral music. So here is here is our scene where we have... If it, if you were to tell someone watching a New Hope that at the end of the third movie Luke Skywalker is going to be winning in a lightsaber battle against Darth Vader, and you're just gonna be going stop, and they're gonna be playing sad, they're gonna be Please. playing sad music, stop. and he's gonna be, and this is, and you're not gonna be happy about this. You in the audience are going to be sad that he is winning in the lightsaber battle against Darth Vader. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And yet by this point in the movie you are sad for Luke and you you see him winning the fight but losing the, the, the battle with, you know, it, it's just, it's completely amazing. This entire scene where he, he's constantly trying not to fight him. If you, can you think of another movie where the hero repeatedly refuses to fight and you don't see him as a coward, a chicken, or you aren't rooting for him to fight anyway? I and mean, maybe there are people who are watching this movie who are like, I hated it when he kept throwing down his lightsaber. I wanted him to just fight. But sir, that's not me. And I, I I think this movie works for young kids and old kids alike. Well, that's what takes it that's what takes it to the net to, to a higher level than so much of those movies. I think is that there is so much conflict in the way that you feel about it. And the fact that it does perform this one eighty degree turn where the person who, I mean, again, just from the, you know, watching from the first movie, Hey, there's going to be a point in the third movie where like you really sympathize with Darth Vader and you don't see him as just, I mean, he's set up to be the most evil person, right? Like,
2: force chokes yeah. people in a boardroom meeting
3: yeah I mean like he's, he wears all black he's a dick you know like yeah and and yet and yet but, but at the end
1: he uh, you know not that we've gotten quite to the end but he's he is he's the hero and his death is a tragedy and if you tell somebody that after seeing Star Wars oh. they'd be like "Why are you crazy and it's like no
3: and say he's the hero Luke is still the hero no no no, it's the heroic journey of you know, it's it's Vader's journey from to redemption, right? The redemption path. Uh, that I I think I think that's a, a lot of retconning in there to put him up as he he has the final heroic act. He's very important. This is kind of the story of him, but it's the the trilogy is Luke's story, and it, overall, it, the Anakin story is someplace and, else. And yet, no. Well, I actually think it's diminished
1: by the someplace else. But no, I, totally, totally <laughs> diminished. I would argue. I would argue that that ending, that whole thing is about, um, it's about Luke refusing to make the action that will turn him to the dark side. It is simultaneously about Vader choosing to take that action and turn away from the dark side. And he sacrifices himself to kill the Emperor. He's the one who kills the Emperor, right? it's, It's not our hero, Luke who makes the decisive act that ends the story. Darth Vader does. The
3: hero Luke does what he was trained to do on his hero's journey. That's why this, this thing works is because throughout all of his training, all three movies, everyone has actually told him, actually, it's not all about killing the other guy. Actually, it's not all about fighting. Actually, the Jedi are more kind of into, you know, knowledge and defense, never to attack. Like and Empire, Yoda yoder kept hammering that into his head and he didn't say you have to go kill vader you have to yep. confront him confront because him. otherwise how will you know whether you're a good guy or a bad guy if you can yep. control these things and it's a very clear consistent message that you just don't buy in the first like kids are like yeah yeah yeah. knowledge and defense yeah yeah but there'll be some reason why he has to fight him right and because we as the audience don't don't understand this whole like what do you mean yeah all right so knowledge and defense you're a good guy yeah karate is only supposed to be used for defense but in all the karate movies they beat people up and we're all excited by it and this movie in the end you go no we were serious about that stuff about knowledge yeah defense never attack we were serious about that and the way luke wins here is by not fighting no seriously not fighting well then how is he going to defeat the emperor he's not vader's going to you it's know? a climactic mean, you know we sort of you know glossed over it but that scene right where he cuts off you know vader's hand yes exactly like you know we saw at the end of empire obviously and then he, we've got that finally the payoff of that little you are like your father of the mechanical hand thing and i love it's very yep. subtle and I don't remember how much of this was added in the special edition, but he flexes his hand. And in, at least in the edition, in the, the unspecialized edition, there is a little like a little like yeah. mechanical yep. sound. It's very subtle, though. Um, and, you know, we finally put all those pieces together and get like, oh, man, you know, like he really is training to this guy. And we get the payoff of the cave scene from Empire yeah. even more than at the end of Empire. We get the really like. You, you you are him. You are Vader, right? If you don't stop now, you become Vader, and that is your destiny, yeah. just like the Emperor And said. it was and pretty we, close, like one more slice, and it's, and it's his head going off, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. right. The, the other thing about that shot when he's wailing on him, there, that is an exact echo of the scene from Empire. They put him on a bridge, and they yeah. shoot from above and to the left. It's an exact mirror of the Empire scene where they shoot those two on the bridge, only the roles are reversed, which yeah. is yeah, a, really, a really great echo of, of the way they frame that. And we get the, uh, I was going to say, the... It's just the whole thing is so, yeah, there's such a brutality and such an over-the-topness to it that that really plays to it, though, and you're just watching a gape. but I just love you know, and then we get that scene right where he looks at it, thinks about it, throws down the lightsaber, you know, I, I want to say peace out. Um, no, the, I'm a Jedi, like the like my like father, my father. And th- that little head nod So be it, so be. I it, I love Jedi. the little head nod though that ham- you know that, that Luke does, like you know gestures back to his to his dad. I'm a Jedi like my father before me and then you see the emperor just being like well oh, that didn't pay off yeah his face drops and he's like so be it jedi and they cut to a different scene so you're like has luke won because he, he says so be it." Yeah. it's like oh the emperor is admitting defeat <laughs> that was all a test just yeah. kidding i'm like willy walker now you get to take over the empire <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I, you know the Emperor's plan was foiled. he really wanted this to happen, and it turns out one of them killed the other. one of them was kind of defeated, but not really. I guess the empire I guess the Emperor is all done. he's just gonna go sulk away, and then they cut back to the Emperor, says, "If you will not be turned, you will be destroyed, and lightning comes from his hands. Lightning comes from his hands. Three movies. Three movies you never saw lightning comes from anybody's nope. hands. How many movies have the patience to say, we're going to have the Force, and what can you do with the Force? Well, you can jump really high, you can run fast, and you can read people's minds, you can influence people. And how about lightning from the hands? That would have been in the first movie in every single trailer. But they waited for the third movie. Total Again, total surprise. because well, the you know, last no ten internet. minutes, too. There yeah. was no internet and no anything. You're like what mm-hmm. lightning yeah. because he doesn't have a lightsaber well, that you see at any point during this thing it's just this old guy sitting in a chair right well and you finally realize
1: why he's so confident yeah, right? why young so, cool, only
3: at the end like, well, I, can, I can shoot lightning out of my hands anytime i want <laughs> i don't need to worry about this
2: <laughs> Really, like, screw force choking yeah
3: yeah yeah and and this entire series saves the big bad guy the emperor for the end of the very last movie like you hear the emperor mentioned in a new hope you yep. see him in a hologram in Empire Strikes Back. That's two whole movies in how many years? And, and you finally get to see him in Jedi, and he doesn't do anything until the end of Jedi. Yep. And yet it it's works. Perfect He's got the. It's, 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 I presents. know, because that's, that's called patience. It's all about yeah. the present, yeah. and this, there's a menace conveyed in just his being there right he's a dramatic threat not like a physical threat until the end in which he's like oh yeah he got the, you know (laughs) he didn't get to being emperor just by political machination you know it turns out he's also shoots lightning from his hand yeah yeah he's he's darth vader's boss
1: right you think darth vader is bad this guy is really really bad because darth vader kneels
3: before him and Darth Vader does not shoot lightning from his hands. No, he has to just Mm-mm. choke people and get coffee f- to fly through the air. <laughs> and, then, and, and the best part of the Emperor doing that yeah. is you can tell while the Emperor's doing it. Like, this is the end. He's like, the Emperor's like, oh, well, you didn't defeat Vader. You don't want to fight. I guess I have to kill you. But he enjoys his work. He's like, and this is going to be fun. Yeah. I'm going to make put him in lots of pain and kill him. Like, he's just he's wrapping up the day's work. Everything seems to be going fine. And he's in, he, he likes his work. He likes killing people. He likes hurting people. He's evil. He's evil. I mean, he's fully embraced all those things Yoda warned him about.
1: He also wants to show Vader, you know, that he's killing him because Vader f- failed, <laughs> failed at that. And, and I think there's some sadism there of the, you know, now I'm going to kill your son right in front of you because, you know, no, that's you what know, I do. Skywalker, you will we'll get
3: die. that nice little detail I just, that... The one that gets me every time is when you see Luke with all the lightning, and then there's that one scene where he's on his side, sort of like writhing in pain, and you see it go like through the bridge of his mouth, like through his teeth. Yep, I always picked that up as a kid. I'm like, he's got he's got lightning braces. Oh yeah. (laughs) So hammers. So
1: so Darth Vader finally takes action. Well, I love that
3: scene though. He's looking back and forth. He's like, "Mm." yeah. Yeah, So mm. when when Luke is on the ground Mm. saying, "Father, please." The reason the Father Please works is because they manage to establish a relationship between Luke and Vader. Like, in the first movie, it's just like a glance as he's killing Obi-Wan. So that relationship is, oh, you're the mean guy who killed my mentor. And then, you know, they're kind of in a space battle, but they don't really know that they're in the space battle together. And in the second movie, of course, he actually has the confrontation with them and the dramatic revelation. And that makes their relationship way more complicated. And in this movie, they, they meet again and have an even more complicated thing. So when he's saying Father Please, it's not like... Uh, you can do this movie where Luke finds out the Vader is his father, and all they do ever do is fight, and then he says, Father, please save me, and you don't buy it. Because you're like, why would he, why would his Vader care about this kid? But they have a relationship at this point. It's a weird relationship, but there's an existing relationship, so it makes that Father, please save me stuff not seem like he would never, why, why would he care about him, you know, just because he's his son and we're supposed to believe he does? They have an established relationship, and that, that makes that, that move believable to me, and, I, and not for a second that I think you know, he wouldn't say, Well, and, and I think it's really important to that at that point, he's, it's almost to a certain extent as if he's seeing the emperor for the first time, right? Because, you know, he's sort of been under the thrall of this guy. Yeah. um. And I think in some ways, I don't know if you want to get like, you know, really psychological about it, the loss of his hand and stuff. And he, too, has a sort of a realization of, of where he is. um. And so he sees this guy basically just torturing his son. And in that moment, you know, he's, he's being mean about it. He's being mean about torturing his son. The wool is taken off of his eyes, and he's like, he's just a dad, right? Like, whose son is getting shot by a guy with lightning from his hands, right? Like, we've all been there.
2: Well, and if if Luke gets killed, where is there to go from Vader from here? Well, they're probably going to try and chase down Leia, and Leia is not going to turn, so...
3: It's going to be really hard to get a promotion yes. when, you, when your boss just <laughs> killed your son. I was just saying, workplace Also, the, uh,
1: you know, he's seeing him in this moment, Vader is seeing his you know it's too late for me son this is this is the moment where he realizes he can make a choice and and actually have an effect where uh, before he has been in the thrall of the emperor and been you know he i made my decision now i have to live with it he gets that decision back here and that and and makes the different decision and although john's right luke is our hero you know, when I say that that Vader's a hero and his death is a tragedy, and it's shocking that they've turned it all the way around like that, my point is that Luke's what Luke does is step aside and allow Darth Vader to to be the one who makes the change, which is which is not what you'd probably expect from the end of this movie, especially given how we all feel about Darth Vader, right, going into
3: it, and yet it's great because it's he, kind of a sacrifice for Vader too, though, right? Because it is he's keeping he's not just in terms of his own life but he's basically preventing luke from getting his hands dirty by having to kill this guy he's saying he's the one committing. you know what i don't want my son to have the burden of having you know murdered this guy so i'm going to take that upon myself it firmly um, cements the pacifist notion of Jedi that is throughout all these movies is that the Jedi, you know, it firmly cements it to say that, that Luke should not do that. He should refuse right. to fight. It's kind of, this kind of reminds me of, not to get political or anything, but like all the, you know, the uh, the right-wing politicians who profess faith in everything, but then they never want to do any of the things that Jesus taught in the Bible. So the, the stories that stories people focus on are Jesus helping the poor and everything in the Bible. It's a pretty clear message about what he wants. So, the, and, but... It's like, but yeah, but they don't really mean that, right? And the same thing with this movie. It's a very clear message about what the Jedi stand for in terms of using the Force and everything. You're like, yeah, but they don't really mean that. Well, they they really do. And this is the only way <laughs> this could end with with Luke doing the right thing, almost not doing it, coming very close to slicing off Vader's right. head, you know, just cut off his hand. Uh, and and you're right. that you know It's not that, that Luke is like, oh, Vader, you're going to do this for me. Luke found the strength to be true to his teachings and to this, this Jedi philosophy that he has of pacifism. What? i can't just it boggles my mind there's a movie where pacifism is the awesome thing that we're all cheering for that the good guys have and that the bad guys don't and, and, and you know it's an exciting dramatic movie in the, ac- in the action movie yes
1: yeah so so um so luke uh pulls off darth vader's mask Whoa, whoa he's uh, not james earl jones and it turns out he's not no, not with the mask. There's a filter that makes him sound like James Earl Jones. Yeah, he's I, gotta, I, gotta fil- I gotta get yeah, that
3: filter I gotta get the filter. Also, it makes him sound not British. And yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well only slightly sort of British ish. Incidentally, great, the best commentary about this scene ever comes from the uh, the Kevin Smith movie Chasing Amy, where they talk about the uh the, the, the <laughs> it's this big black guy and they take off his mask and it's a scrawny little white guy. <laughs> he's not that scrawny. He's more like no. Humpty Dumpty looking. Yes, but he's also he's also about twenty years older than than he probably should be or something. But
1: it is, it is shocking, right? You know, you you see not just that he's not, he's got this you know breathing apparatus and all that, but he's all pasty and scarred and yeah, and and
3: uh, not tough but, looking. No, no but no, right? Like this is the guy who was just fighting him to a standstill, right? And all of a sudden it's just like this old kind of almost grandfatherly kind of guy it's it's kind of like he's like in in the the tesselecta he's like the guy inside (laughs) the thing controlling the vader outfit from inside like the little man inside bob anderson the sword guy yeah, I'm steering the Vader, Vader yeah. bot, and and this is another example of like how this movie just pays off on everything. Like it, we got to you know in the first movie you're like, who is the guy in that mask? And in the second movie you're like, oh, I see the back of his head and his mask is yep. gone. Oh, we didn't get to see it. And the third and here movie, here it is. We yep, were taking it off. You know, everything, every need satisfied, every plot line paid off in, in a you know in a convincing, satisfactory manner. If if television series could all end the way. Plot-wise, the way that the Star Wars trilogy ends, there would never be any complaints.
1: So so here's here's my question. Um, they're flying through the superstructure and they blow up the Death Star. And the Emperor is on the Death Star. And Darth Vader's on the Death Star. And Luke's on the Death Star. So by Luke refusing to fight and Darth Vader throwing the Emperor off, is the only net change here by Luke winning
3: that Luke doesn't die? Because they're going to blow up the Death Star anyway. Well, you don't know if the emperor was still alive. You could have sensed that they were that there was a weakness in their plan and could have escaped and lived on the next day. You know? Maybe, all those, maybe all sorts of things you can do like that. But but really, I mean, it's sort of like they d- they double beat the emperor. But that's here, why I'm saying I this is like... I mean, you need to make sure it's like it's like staking him and cutting the head yeah. off. Yeah, we got the emotional resolution. Well, yeah, but this movie is not about the empire versus the rebellion. This movie no. is about Luke Skywalker Luke and, and Darth his, Vader and, his and yeah. Yeah. so that's what you care about do you really care yes. at the end you're like oh it's exciting the empire no longer is in control of the galaxy you don't really care
2: no which is why all the special edition scenes at the end are off
3: yeah well we don't If care. you have to start thinking about all the implications right. of what the end having like your your government decapitated actually means <laughs> oh my god our currency is going in the toilet <laughs> massive inflation
1: i'll bring in a uh, obscure random uh sci-fi uh reference to uh uh a show I liked a lot, uh Babylon 5. One of the interesting things about this show is that there's a Civil War and it's resolved, and the show keeps going after that, and the, the whole point of it is, you know, yay, we won the Civil War. Oh crap, now what? Right? And, and and those those special edition scenes in Star Wars, I always I always look at those and like, yeah, you know, and I know there are novels and and, and, and that make this point too in the extended kind of Star Wars universe. It's it's yeah, the Emperor's dead, that's good, but there's a whole apparatus of the, the Empire. Right. Right. And That's, it's not all just going to fall apart.
2: There's like 15 years of bureaucracy.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. not Yeah, it's not going to be like, yay, everything's fine now.
3: It's like, yeah. big victory, great. Yeah. It's not like the tax collectors are all going to be like, no, I guess we'll go home. Personal resolution, yes. Yeah, and to these movies' credit, they don't spend, like, they mention, oh, the Emperor's is all the Senate, and there's a rebellion, and the rebel be- rebels are hiding, but, right. like that machinery is not what these movies are about this movie is so clearly about this central band of characters yeah. and what happens to them and in speci- specifically luke and so all the other stuff is kind of like the setting for the movie it's not about the rebels versus the empire it's not about the senate to bring something up or anything like it's totally not part of this movie I've thought about trade negotiations wow <laughs> yeah. that would be bad and it, just just think of the amount of screen time they provide they they give to the Empire versus the Rebellion. It's like right. uh, you know, one or two small scenes, some of the scroll text, and some you know, but it's just not about that, right? So, Force Moon of Endor,
1: uh, also known as Endor. Um, <laughs> uh, Luke comes down. They burns the the Vader outfit. Another, another beautiful music. to
3: which. To which my son says, ooh, he put the mask back on him. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to. It's the end of Vader is the ultimate vil- vict- villain, and, the, and the, you know, Vader transitioned from being the ultimate villain, the guy that he looked like, the big black you know guy in black, to a tragic figure. That's why I don't th- see him as, as yeah. heroic, because he's tragic. Um, he tried to do something to... Re- he redeemed himself he did spiritually redeem himself. in the end, but practically speaking, he's done so many horrible things that this one yeah. thing probably doesn't make up for them. But... Uh, he's a tragic figure, and it's sad music, you know, uh, burning him. And I think it's yes. fitting that this same scene was used in Spaced to show the, the post-prequel, <laughs> change, in, post-prequel <laughs> change in Tim's connection with Star Wars. Because for Tim, it was the end of something. It was the end of Star Wars as this touchstone in his life. And so he was put, you know, burning it is symbolic. I'm burning Darth Vader. It is the end of Darth Vader, the evil man. And now the tragic figure, you know, goes away. We had away a difference and, of opinion. the the menace you didn't like it no (laughs) and that and that scene by the way that scene since i watched spaced way after it aired i didn't really know like the timing of the things so i had no idea that that you know season two was happening around 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 1999 i watched season two as it aired in the in in the uk and it it let me tell you it, it it touched the spot my heart. Yeah. So I'm watching it, and then they and they cut, you know, because it it's one of those, you know, it's turning to a space podcast. They cut to Tim's face and they immediately cut to the torch scene and I immediately know exactly what they're referencing and it just was note perfect. So I can't I can't see that scene now. Without, and you think like, oh, you're you it's kinda like the Admiral Akbar and and the breakfast cereal thing. Oh, they've ruined <laughs> it they've ruined a scene in a movie that you love because all you can think of is the comedy thing. No, I take no. that scene in space as deadly serious. <laughs> that is, that is not comedy to me.
1: So we get to see our little ghost friends one last time and they smile at us. Yoda sitting on the railing. And Darth mm-hmm. Vader well, yes, because it's tiring to be a ghost. And Darth Vader now with them, Anakin Skywalker now with them.
3: I also really enjoy that that they uh, everybody gets to meet up, everybody gets hugs, Wedge gets to meet yes. the party, Lando gets to tell Chewbacca, he gets a gesture about how he flew the frickin' millennium falcon out of the Death Star. It was awesome. Did you see what I did? Came out of the fire, <laughs> did you see that?
1: And, Yup-nub. and Yup-nub. Yup Nub. And Yup Nub. Uh, which
3: they also changed in the special edition to be just more soaring. We all complain about Jar Jar, and we have some complaints about these silly teddy bear e And yet, when when asked to choose, everyone unambiguously says, "Oh, Yub Nub all the way over that crap, over any possible alternative." And 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 why is that? Why are we, why do we prefer this ridiculous? I don't. Dancey song? I have a soft spot I don't. for the other song, but uh, Yub Nub has a you know, it's it's a terrible way. These three fantastic
1: movies end with this kind of ridiculous
3: Ewok music. Also, well, here, here I'll, I'll tell you why why I think I like this, the Yub Nub song. Uh, and, and it's yeah. maybe not a good reason, but it's a reason. It's a reason. It, yeah, is that the, the non Yubnub song, the one that replaced it, is entirely there and all the scenes and everything to tie it to the other movies that we won't mention. And I don't like those other movies. So any way that you're going to take something that I really like and try to connect it, for, for, forcefully connect it with something that I really don't like, I will not like you for it. Right. But what if you just took the song and overlaid it over the original? Right. And, and, now, the, and now the second thing is I saw it when I was a kid. And when you're a kid, you like this stuff. The music, I, I, I have a soft spot for the music as well. I, I really remember enjoying that. I, I just don't want to see
1: Coruscant and Naboo or, you know... I don't want to see that.
3: I, I don't like the music of the, the new version either. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Let, it's not just the fact that it ties to the prequel, but I, I plain just don't like the song. Uh, Yub Nub is silly, but I saw this movie when I was a kid. And basically, it, uh, this is why I think the Jedi, uh, when I said in the beginning that it does the most important thing that you have to do, it ends the series in a satisfying way. And it's a happy ending, more or less. There's still a tragedy of Anakin, but you see him redeemed in his ghost form and everything like that. But the good guys more or less win. And I think for. The age yes. I watched this, it was nice to go through the end of three movies, especially with Empire being such a, you know, such a a, a, a blow, such a shock to the system, that everything was alright in the end. And that's one of the things that I think makes the Star Wars trilogy such such an enduring thing, yes. is that you can let kids see it, and everything's alright in the it's end. It's satisfying, and everything gets paid off. Unless you watch then the the first, the, the other, some other movies, and then mm-hmm. it ends on a really sad note. <laughs>
2: What I really love about the the ending of Jedi is that it is very small. You know, you don't have an epic ending. Well, at least unless you're watching the revised versions. You don't have an epic ending of, yes, everything's great. Um, But it's really, you focus on the various characters. And I like Yubnub because it is kind of, you know, tribal and ritualistic in a way. Because you're you're joining the people that you followed this entire time. And yeah, Wedge and Lando get mentions and... And the droids get a little hat tip because they're really important characters in the journey. But you don't you don't have the big epic space battle close out the movie. You have this small group in a very small sort of ceremonial party.
3: Yeah, they're not celebrating on the bridge of one of their capital ships They're, You know what I mean? They're they're celebrating down with the Ewoks and they're kind of hanging out like you would at the party telling each other. Wasn't that cool when that happened? And plus X-Wings have fireworks coming out of them. So there's that.
1: Yeah, there is they that. they they save those for special yeah, thank occasions. Thank God they're
3: equipped with those.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the rebels. The rebels think of everything. They've got holograms and they've got fireworks.
3: That's why they want to run things, Jason. That's right. They have got a plan. You ever see the Empire throw up fireworks? I don't never, think so. never, not once.
1: Never firebombing. Yes, yeah, fireworks. Big never. on that. Yeah. Typical. Well, I think we've reached the end of Star Wars now.
3: Oh my God. We truly I have. Know. I don't know what to do with myself anymore.
1: Very yeah.
3: Good. I'm going to have to go back and watch them in order again.
2: <laughs> well, I actually want to try. Um, it, I know it's sacrosanct to bring up the prequels, but I'm.
3: No, there aren't curious. any movies. There are no movies.
2: Machete order. I'm curious about machete order. <laughs> I have to say. Oh, no,
3: why would you do that? I was going to. No. You don't need it. No, those movies. I mean, let me put it this way. There is perhaps an interesting story to be told about events that happened before these three movies that we love. Those that's were not it. them.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. No. But
3: those were not seeing them. Seeing
2: as how the movies that we're not talking about did get made. Although no, we do I not thought we weren't talking them,
3: about them. I'm. I'm I, I don't just think. Young and reordering doesn't help. I I could come up with some very disgusting analogies to try, <laughs> try to bring this point over. To just say that changing the order does no, not. Does not.
1: All right, any final thoughts before we wrap up this epically long um episode 6 of our uh, of our podcast series about Star Wars?
3: No. So, in the beginning I said this was the beginning of the end, and it kind of was because this is kind of like uh, uh, you know, all those bad things that we don't like about these movies that we're not talking about, it we're to- are totally in this movie. We didn't know it at the time, but they were all there staring us in the face, just turned down slightly. But I still have good feelings about Jedi because it did such an important thing, which is, you know, we all we've all been fans of television series like Battlestar Galactic or something that have ended in ways that have disappointed us. Some people were disappointed and lost. Like you get into a thing, you're invested in the thing and you get to the good part of the Middle Empire and then they just blow it in the end and they almost blew it with too much cutie Ewok stuff or whatever. But in general, the overall plotline—Luke that we cared about, his deal with Vader, the space battle—the resolution of the series—totally internally consistent and satisfying in every possible way. Everything paid off. Everything nice. So I just right. The the only thing sad about it is that it's over.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly.
3: And it's the it's the good kind of sad, you know. And you and we're never going to
1: see. I remember walking out of the theater and thinking, "Wow, we're never going to see Han Solo and Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker you know, ever again."
3: Until, yeah. until someone yeah. inevitably reboots it. Well, I, I, I remember leaving and having fantasies about episodes, you know, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, I would yep. have rather seen those. Me too.
2: Out. Well, Not thankfully, here. I mean, there are many books. Some of them terrible. Some of them great.
3: You probably wouldn't have rather seen them if they had actually gotten made by George Lucas. No, I think it's all. I think it's all for the best. Yeah, when I was eleven years old, I definitely wanted to see those yeah. movies. But, oh, sure. Yeah. I wanted to see one. Hey, I wanted to see what happened before them when I was, you know, seventeen. Before, yeah. before we yeah. knew, before we knew, before the dark times. But, the, but <laughs> before but, the Empire. Before the Empire, but we, he's more we, machine than they. We now. have these. We have these three, and we yes. can treasure them. And these three make a complete circle. There is nothing them. needs to be added before them, and nothing needs to be added after them. So if you're listening. Go back and listen to the Star Wars podcast again. Just put it on repeat. And just keep on (laughs) going. For people who are wondering what's the correct order to watch the Star Wars movies, you watch A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi. That is the correct order. That's
1: the order. And And that's the Alpha and the Omega. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Well, we've solved all the problems of the world and discussed (laughs) Star Wars. So I would like to thank uh, my guests in this incredible journey that we've taken uh, what will we do next? I don't know. We'll have to stop, stop and reconsider what where we go from here for our epic length uh, movie commentaries. Um, but I want to thank Dan Morin. Dan, thanks a lot for your I, and you are you are one of the most devoted Star Wars fans I have ever met, and I thank you for lending
3: that uh, knowledge to the podcast. Of course, we'll be with you, Jason, always. Thank you,
1: and Serenity Caldwell. So, thank you for being here, John Syracuse. You are the other uh, most devoted Star Wars fan i know and i thank you for all of your commentary and perspective on this too thanks jason wow you're just tired out you got no more
3: lines yeah it's the end it's the end what am am i gonna quote a line from the next movie yub nub jason yub nub
1: (laughs) and thank you many uh listeners uh, to the incomparable for um, not just your uh, listening to these lengthy episodes but to your great positive feedback about all of these Star Wars episodes that we've done um, the uh, feedback on uh, on Twitter and an email about the Star Wars episodes has been uh, remarkably positive it's been very kind uh, we glad that you we are glad that you have liked listening to us talking about Star Wars as much as we have liked yammering on about it for a grand total of probably like, six and a half or seven hours so, so imagine it's like a day you could just spend a day with us talking about Star Wars so thank you for listening to us and until next time on the incomparable I am Jason Snell uh, good night and goodbye and good riddance and we're gonna go to sleep now goodbye <laughs> Woo <laughs>